You're listening to the Walk Around Knowledge Podcast with Lil Millie, where I break down topics I've learned while securing my legacy. Think about it as knowledge you should be armed with while navigating through life. Let's take a walk. Welcome back to another episode of the Walk Around Knowledge Podcast. Last week, we talked about, you know, when I first learned my father got sick and what it was like to um, experience that at the height of what felt like the beginning stages of me building an amazing career and the reality of what that felt like. And so today we're going to dive deeper into what accepting that reality meant and then also what that job entailed. Like what does accepting this reality, what does accepting the role as your father's caregiver really mean at 26 years old? Um, Yeah, what does that mean? So we're going to dive into that today and there are going to be a lot of takeaways because there were so many lessons that I learned from this experience of course in hindsight because it was hell going through it um but we're gonna dive into that so I just want to you know continue to set the stage I'm still a nomad still don't necessarily have a home that I pay rent I'm still living out of suitcases and storage and CSP is growing like things are um taking off and it is a bit a very bittersweet feeling because I know that there's something else brewing in the background and I haven't necessarily figured out how I'm going to deal with it. And like I mentioned on the last episode, there was just a lot of anger and resentment that I felt around having to take on this role because like I mentioned before, you know, my father having COPD, which was caused by the years of smoking and various other different things. I just felt like I am having to step away from me living my best life because he made the choice to live his best life and it affected his livelihood. Now it may sound harsh, Well, it's not even really harsh. It's just really accountability, to be honest. Um, And those are the things that were, you know, going through my mind. And so, you know, it would take time for me to fully accept and fully be okay with this role. Because I, although I rose to the occasion, I wasn't happy that I was the one that had to rise to the occasion. I still wanted, you know, other siblings or other people to, to take on the leadership role of caring when the reality was it was always supposed to be me. And I think about that as just like, you know, it's a blessing in disguise that I did not have a nine to five job or I did not have such a a crazy intensive career that didn't have any flexibility because the reality is the type of care intending to that my dad needed, I would have gotten fired if I had a nine to five. There's just, that was just the level of care, flexibility, consistency that he needed. Um, and so, yeah, like, like I mentioned, it was hard to fully accept it. And so at that time, it became one of those things where, all right, not only is my dad sick, I got to come back to Atlanta. I love Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta, SWATs all day. Y'all know I, that's my city. 
but I want to move back to Atlanta. And I didn't even have to move back to Atlanta. It was just like, you know, having to spend a significant, a, a lot more time in Atlanta to manage this and really learn what we were dealing with. And like I mentioned before, it took us almost two years to really get a, a real handle of the disease. And because of that, within those two years, there were so many near death experiences. Like this is it. Like you're mourning, crying. This is it. And oftentimes I tell people that, you know, when my father did pass in 2018, I had probably already grieved his death five times already. And you just think about the trauma that goes along with that as a child and you're trying to save this person, you know, the whole nine. Um, so at this, at this juncture, you know, I'm starting to accept it. Still, there is level of resentment and anger there, but it's like, you know, I'm thinking, come home for a couple months, figure out a place for him to stay, get things, get the doctors in order, all that kind of stuff. I was in for a rude awakening because there were aspects of my father's personal life that made it extremely difficult for us to make headway um, as it related to his health and end of life care and so forth. Because like I mentioned before, my father was in, a, in the process of bouncing back from a divorce. So we don't even get it, need to get into all the shit you, you be going through after divorce and money, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so that was the case. And so I'm now having to really look at my life and see how I'm about to make this work. And I wasn't about to stop doing can't say put that was not an option. One on the table, one trying to hear it. Listen, I'm going to keep on doing can't say put the way I've been doing it, um, how I've been doing it. I wasn't at a space where I was willing to make any sacrifices, visible sacrifices to me. What ended up happening is that sacrifice came from me pushing myself to a level that I don't think any human should do. So although I didn't think I was making any sacrifices, I was still going to do what I was doing. I realized, you know, being out in the world, building a brand, building a business, traveling, being on the road, then trying to come back to Atlanta every three days to check in on your dad, his doctors, his business. Like I probably was a hundred and... <laughs> 14 pounds, 15, I don't know, looking weak, meek, okay, from the stress, um, from trying to juggle all of these balls. Because at this time, I would say I was juggling three balls because I'll, I'll kind of dive into like what accepting this reality really was, right? So the first ball was my dreams and goals, like, you know, building can't say put, building this platform, traveling the world, building this brand creating content, being on the go, um, being this entrepreneur. And so that in itself is enough for three, four, five balls in itself, right? And and because of the area of entrepreneurship that I pursue, travel, travel in itself is another layer of stress, wear and tear on the body in addition to just running a business and being an entrepreneur, right? So that's a part of my ball. That's one ball. The second ball is to manage my father's care. At this juncture, 
um, we hadn't necessarily had the resources to bring in outside help. And so what that looked like at this juncture was doctor's appointments, being in the ER, learning about the disease, learning about the medicine, um, managing medications, you know, all of the whole gamut. Um, and even with managing his cares, also managing him, right? I'm managing now a type A successful businessman who has now been subjected to living in a very uncomfortable way and is having to make peace with the fact that the end is near, right? So you just think about any strong black man having to sit with the fact that he dying and how this person may act, treat the people around them and how they may express themselves. And for the longest, I wasn't necessarily putting my, my self in his shoes because sometimes it's like, dag, like I'm the punching bag. You know what I mean? Because you are the person that's there, not necessarily realizing that, you know, they don't, my father didn't mean any harm or, you know, wasn't trying to be intentionally mean. Now, my dad was definitely an asshole. Like, let's be clear. There's a level of him that was an asshole, is a asshole, was always going to be an asshole. Type A, you don't get to where my dad got being the nicest person in the world. So there was already this layer of like, Woo, you a lot. And my siblings will tell you, like, our dad is a lot. He ain't no small talk type of person. He trying to school you on shit, a lecturer. So that was ball number two, managing his care, emotion, personal affairs, whether that was dealing with Social Security, his doctors, finances, banking, yada, yada, yada. Then there's this third ball, right? The third ball is Miller 3 Group. Uh, which is comprised of military consulting and two other subsidiaries. This is my father's business that he started. It was formerly DJ Miller and Associates that he started the year before I was born. So this is ball number three. Ball number three is so important because we're not even going to get to legacy and succession planning and all that kind of stuff. Ball number three is important because in America, when you find out that you have a chronic illness, or a terminal illness, the only way you're going to live a long time is if you got bread. It ain't no way around it. This country was not set up for you to be sick and to live a long time because once you have a ter- terminal illness or a chronic illness, you need the best of everything. And unfortunately, the best is only provided to the people that got money. So this third ball of helping to assist with the business and getting it back to a certain place was not on some like, Oh, cause we just want, you know, we're riding this wave of the business. We want to get it back to be successful. It was like, nah, nigga, we ain't got no choice. Cause we don't have, how are we going to pay for this? Like, how are we going to keep him alive? Because we're up against the clock because mind you, I'm going to go back to the request that my father made, which was Lauren, help me live as long as possible to get you and your siblings ready. Now I didn't know what ready meant but he knew that he needed some some time um and so with the business it was like all right we got to figure out how to make this work how to bring in income um because I felt like this whole situation my dad was a perfect storm it's like you 
at the, you know, going through the divorce, you're trying to pick yourself back up. Now you sick. Now you've got this terminal illness. You know, it's just all of this stuff happening at the same time. But meanwhile, as a side note, I also always say that I feel like God humbled my father because he needed to be, but also because he needed to get into heaven. I don't really know if that knucklehead was in the right head space or, you know, just was really in tune um, with his relationship with God. And I feel like sometimes God does do things where, you know, you can be on your high horse all you want to, um, but he will humble you, you know? And I am grateful for that because there is no doubt in my mind that my, my, my dad made it in. Okay. Um, but anyway, back to the third ball. So that's the third ball, the third ball, managing the business, me accepting that role. My role was to be the director of business development and kind of be the glue. And that's kind of how I described it. It was like I was the glue that made my dad's life work during his illness. I definitely had help along the journey in different areas. Once I really um, took on that leadership role, I was able to start to delegate but I was really the glue. Like if something needed to be done, like it's like, all right, it got to get done. And so to reiterate, these are the three balls I'm juggling. It's really like close to six, but three balls. My business can't stay put, traveling the world, being on the go, you know, instability, fearlessness, everything that comes with building a brand, speaking engagements, trying to monetize this platform, the whole nine. That's one ball. Second ball, father's care. His health, learning about this disease, being there uh, emotionally to support him, being in the hospitals, being in the ER, riding the ambulance, the whole nine. That's that's the second ball. Third ball is military group and military consulting, building this business, A, so that we can bring in income to take care of my father's health, but two, you know, to keep this going and to, to sustain it. So these are the three balls that I am managing. and. I quickly realized that <laughs> ain't no way I was going to do everything well, but I was not willing to drop a ball. It was just like on the outside looking in, it was like, it felt like people were like, Laura, you need to drop the can't say football. Like, just drop it. Just drop it. I wasn't going to do it. I was not going to do it. I was not going to do it. I was not going to stop doing it because I just felt like, no. I cannot let this shit die. I cannot stop. I deserve this. I got to figure out a way to do both. And and it almost became my saving grace because it was um, my escape. And what I had to come to terms with is that, you know, everything that you've been doing thus far for can't say put, you're not going to be able to do it the same way. And you're going to have to figure out a way to keep building this brand despite not having the time, resources, and mental space to build the business. And so what I did was like, all right, I'm just going to focus on building the brand. Like I would do little stuff here and there, but it was like, just keep the brand going, keep on creating content. Um, and if that's the only capacity, that's the capacity that you have to do, then that's all you have to do. And so People who have been following me for a while may have noticed or realized that there was a certain period of time where my website was no longer being updated. 
There was no post-production content. There was no storytelling um, happening afterwards. It was just real time stuff because there was no time for post anything because the time that I would originally spend doing post-production or post anything was now I'm in the hospital. So there have been times where I will be all across the world, South Africa, flying back to go to the ER or flying back to go straight to a doctor's appointment. So there was no time for the post-production or like for projects to have longevity. And so on the outside looking in, I'm pretty sure people probably can tell, but I knew and it was hell because it was just like, it was very frustrating to not be envious of my peers because that's not the word. It was just more like, I just want to have the freedom to do too. Like, I want to continue to advance. Like, I want to be able to dedicate 100% of my time and energy and effort to my goals and aspirations. Like, I don't want this to be hanging over my head. Like, my friends get to freely do all of these various different things and fuck up and shop or whatever, you know, whatever you're doing at 26. You know what I mean? 26 and 27. Um, And I just felt like I had all of these hurdles in front of me. And I just felt like it just, it just wasn't, I don't want to say it wasn't fair. It was just the timing was just like, damn, this just really sucks and then I think the other part about it is you know when you are dealing with somebody who's terminally ill it's a roller coaster ride so you know I had people supporting me my close friends the guy that I was dating at the time thank God for him um but you know you get to the point where you're tired of sharing things with your friends because you feel like you're the friend that's always a Debbie Downer because this thing with my dad was not going away. It was always, there was always going to be causing me stress. It was like, even though there were things happening in my professional life, like, you know, speaking at Blavity's very first uh, conference for women in Power Her in New York, or, you know, being one of the first black, you know, travel personalities and uh, influencers to go to Cuba and launch this campaign and um, and guy that was shared thousands and thousands of time and, you know, being featured in essence, all of these good things are happening. But I can't even really relish in that because within a minute or two, I'm reminded where this by, you know, a doctor calling where this by, you know, a CNA hitting me up where this by just the thought that, Damn, but even still with all of this, there's going to be a day that my dad is not going to be here. No matter how good this shit is that's going on right now, my dad is still dying. No matter no matter what I do, that's going to be my reality. I can't escape it. It's not going to go nowhere. Um, and it was just hard. You know what I mean? And I think it was also very trying and hard because when I would come home to Atlanta because I was coming home maybe like once or twice a week I would I wouldn't necessarily solely commit and say that I'm gonna move back to Atlanta because that was like me giving up my number one ball and I just wouldn't do it even though it probably would have been ideal I would still bounce around I would just spend longer stints in Atlanta when I was there to you know handle doctor's appointments or handle whatever things we needed to handle um but that journey was so hard because 
I hadn't lived in Atlanta since I was 17. Like when I left to go to Howard, that was it. Like I'm like, Chuck the deuces. I ain't coming back. Like I love Atlanta. I'm always going to come back and visit, but I had no plans of moving back. But I say that to say that me and my father hadn't spent a lot of time around each other when I was an adult. Right. So I'm coming back to help and assist and take care of him as an adult. I left as a child. So we're having to get to know each other as an adult. I'm having to demand a certain type of respect because I'm not 17. I ain't 16. You can't talk to me any kind of way. I don't, you know what I mean? Like if anything, you should be thanking me and and be gracious. Like it shouldn't even be no attitude. Cause you know what I mean? Like I don't gotta be here. So you're going through those things, right? And you're you're frustrated and, you know, you're bumping heads. And I just remember, oh, man, so many times um, just crying out <laughs> to God, like, please help me. Like, please help me. I'm at my wits end. And, you know, like I mentioned before, I wasn't necessarily thinking, like, putting myself in the shoes of a man who – who could do any and everything that his heart desired and being in a body that kind of went to shit. Right. And not being able to do anything about it, having to call on your kid to help you. So I'm just thinking about all of the, all of the things that, well, at the time I wasn't thinking about it. I'm, I'm reflecting on it now, but it's like, you think about all of the things that were humbling him and However, he chose to express it, whether it's being snappy with me or, you know, not being the nicest or whatever. It's really like, well, duh, like (laughs) he's sick. Like he's not old. He's sick. He feels it every single day. He got this terminal illness. It's hard for him to breathe. And, you know, that was another aspect of it. Like I mentioned before, was just learning the nature of his disease. Like, you know, there were so many times where like somebody have a perfume and take his breath away. He'll be unconscious. There were times where, you know, I was getting to learn how to use the, um, the tanks, how you switch the tanks out, the, the nasal cannulars. I will never forget. There was this time I was driving on the highway. I think me and my dad were coming back from a doctor's appointment and this is in the beginning stages. We are still learning how to do things. And my dad had a portable oxygen tank and it was on red. We on the highway. It's on red. There's no beeping. There's nothing. He just happened to look down. So we're both panicking. And I remember him saying, Lauren, pull over, go in the truck, trunk and get the tank out. If I pass out, drive to the, the fire station and they'll know what to do. Um, feeling like your, your dad's life is in your hands and that you got to get this fucking tank together fast enough so he doesn't fucking go unconscious, nigga, that type of stress, I don't wish on my worst enemy. And that's not the first and or last time shit like that has happened. Okay. So I had to like take a little moment there gather myself um and for those of you that are watching you're probably like girl you need to fix your face um but you know I just wanted to kind of just share that you know those types of situations happen often 
especially in 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 these stages that I'm talking about, because you're trying to we're trying to learn what we're dealing with. You know what I mean? You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what's ideal. And this is also the time where you realize that the healthcare system is fucking shit. And and you, like, you know it, but it's like now that you're dealing with it, it's just like, oh, wow, really? <laughs> like, this is what we're dealing with. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm just shaking my head, y'all, because I'm still sometimes in disbelief that, like, me, like, I went through this. You know what I mean? Like, so many ambulance rides, so many, you know, ER stays. And I remember... <laughs> One time, like, feeling like, I'm not old enough old enough to be doing this. You know what I mean? Like, granted, I'm 26. I'm an adult, right? But, like, an adult to be advocating to, you know, medical professionals on behalf of my father who's in, um, who's incoherent, who can't speak on his behalf. I'm just like, do I, am I, am I smart enough? Am I, can I do this? Even though I knew, right, I could, but I'm being called to the test because up until that point, like, you know, my experience with authority is like professors or, you know, at the, at the workplace, but I've only worked for family. You know what I mean? So like, this is my first time really dealing with authority in that manner. And they're looking at me, Hey, I'm a black woman, young woman. Um, and at the time I didn't look 26. I probably looked more like 18 and I'm having to, to advocate. And one of the things that um, I'll never get like I gained so many life skills going through this, whether it's advocating, speaking up. And, you know, that's something that we'll dive deeper into, like the healthcare system or just end of life care. I will do an episode just on that whole world in itself. Um, But, yeah, you just realize for us black folks, like if you don't advocate for yourself within the healthcare industry, like you will not get the best service. And, you know, what we found ourselves, my dad is, uh, has always been an advocate for black folks, the community. So, you know, he in there calling people out on their job, you know what I mean? Calling them out on their shit. And I'm just like, dad, like, this is not the time. These people need to help us. Like you calling them out on how they doing their job, how they need to do it better. All of this shit was, was rightfully deserved. You know what I mean? But it was just like learning how to navigate that system, learning how to get people to, to like you enough to do their job, getting people to, to take the initiative, you know, getting doctors to understand that I don't care if you're a doctor with a PhD, MD, JD, MBA, I don't give a shit what's behind your name. Okay. If I got a question, you're going to answer it. And just because you told me something doesn't mean I'm going to accept it. I would have never learn that or had the type of confidence that I have around that if I didn't go through those situations because let's be clear doctors told me doctors told me my dad was gonna die plenty of times plenty of times plenty of times I remember being in the ICU like not today Mm -mm. not today not today not today and they were adamant like they ran out and got me like this is it 10 minutes this is it say your goodbyes do you know my dad lived for three more years after that so imagine the trauma somebody running out to the waiting room be like this is it 10 more minutes somebody telling you 10 more minutes right so it's like 
in these years experiencing that over and over again while still juggling those other two balls, y'all. And a lot of y'all who are listening, you know, you probably been rocking with me since the beginning or, you you know, you may be new here. But for those of you who have been rocking me for a while, I know y'all know to have. Y'all didn't know to have because I ain't share it. You know what I mean? Um, but, yeah. Um, the other thing that I will say is, you know, this time with my dad um, was probably, you know, was the start of the mo- one of the most beautiful experiences that I've ever had that I'm so grateful to be able to even talk about today that people won't ever be fortunate enough to even have with their dad. You know what I mean? Um, I bathed my dad. You know what I mean? Like I kept him. There is nothing that he asked me to do that I did not do. I may have cussed. I may have been mad. <laughs> may not have done it with a smile. Um, but I did it. And um, and I started to accept it. And I realized that, you know, like, this is just your reality. I remember I was tapped to launch Travel Noir experiences and the launch of them were in Brazil I had gone the year before to scout Salvador which is one of my favorite cities in the world um I had went to scout for travel noir and then later that January I was leading the very first experience for them during that time my dad was in ICU during that time surgeons were calling me and saying um we don't know what else to do. What do you want us to do? I'm the power of attorney. I'm the power of attorney handling shit in Brazil, dog. <laughs> um, and I just remember telling them surgeons, like, just hold on. This not it. Just hold on. This not it. Just hold on. This is not it. You know what I mean? And, you know, I... I love medical care professionals because y'all working within a bullshit ass system. And after a while you start to conform, yada, yada, yada. But it's just like, you know, when you're, <laughs> when you're dealing with the healthcare system and they just see your, your dad as another patient. Oh, you got to let motherfuckers know <laughs> you're not dealing with nobody regular. <laughs> and to this day, doctors still be like, yo, we will never forget your dad. He made a great fuss. If I will say one thing, that man taught me how to advocate on my behalf speak up and don't take anything somebody says as face value. The one thing that I will, I will always be appreciative of is there was not one doctor, not one nurse, not one surgeon, not one CNA that did not know what I did. My dad told every single person about can't stay put every single person. And in a way, I know that that was his way of, giving me some type of um affirmation validation because he knew that these doctors were going to go tell their kids they were going to go google me they were going to go see about what I was doing because he knew I didn't physically want to be in that space he knew I physically wanted to be out in the world continue to build this thing and I would have I was having to do this stop and go stop and go stop and go 
and I knew it was hard for him because I'm like, what what parent wants their kids to have to stop doing things on behalf of them? So I know, you know, this has been an emotional episode today. Um, it just is what it is. We had to get through it. We're going back to the side. God got us. Um, so I'm going to take a little break. Then I'm going to come back and wrap it up. So I'm back. And in closing, you know, I just wanted to share that, you know, and also reiterate that sometimes, you know, God blesses you with situations that are the hardest situation that you will ever have to go through. But they are the very thing that you need to go through to get to where you're going. Right. Um, and I will also say that, you know, I'm so grateful to God because listen, if my dad would have never got sick, I would have never justified spending that much time around him. And he would never justify spending that much time around me, just that type of intentional time. And on the next episode, we're actually going to dive into like what our succession planning was really like. Like once the acceptance came, it's like, all right, the clock is ticking. We got work to do. It's time to fucking hammer this. We got to secure the legacy. And we're going to dive into what that looks like. What does it actually look like to pass the baton? You know what I mean? Um, But thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode. Um, I know I touched on a lot of different topics today that I'll probably be diving a lot deeper into on season two. So don't worry. Um, and so, yeah, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. We'll be here again next week. Make sure you subscribe, you tune in, you tell your mama's mama, mama to tune in. And until next time, I love y'all. Sorry about my tears today, but your girl is human and yeah. Yeah.